Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. I would like to start with a Rumi poem. You can close your eyes if you like. Be empty of worrying. Clever people and grocers, they weigh everything. Be empty of worrying. Think of who created thought. Why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? It's a great koan, huh? Why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? There's one, right? Think of who created thought. Clever people and grocers, well, they weigh everything, don't we? So we'll start there, and then we'll see where we go. Um, let me get my notes. So one of the subjects we've been exploring together over the past few weeks are um, the Buddhist teachings, Buddhist psychology, on the hindrances, right? We've talked about that in here, and um, the seven factors of awakening or enlightenment. And I, I kind of want to continue on the theme and play with this a little bit more. So um, the Buddha talked about these friendly visitors that come and get in the way of uh, peace and stillness, calm, concentration, on the cushion when we're meditating, off the cushion in daily life, when we're just trying to um, be in the present moment, find a little stillness and calm. These friendly visitors come and tap us on the shoulder. Hello, hello, <laughs> we're here. And they might have visited you while you were sitting today, and they usually do. Anybody have any desire while we were sitting? Who wanted the desire to hear this? <laughs> right? Isn't that an amazing desire? I think my desire was for a double espresso cappuccino mocha creme brulee, whatever it is they add into all those things that look so enticing. Yeah. Okay. Um, ill will, aversion. Anybody have an aversive thought? Yeah. I don't want my back to ache. I don't like this chair. Right. Um, restlessness, anxiety, and worry. Anybody ruminating about something that's not going quite right? Yeah. I always like to say I have a PhD in that one, but then somebody will ask to see my dissertation I've discovered. So, <laughs> doubt. How come I woke up? 
<laughs> Why did I drag myself here? What am I doing? My mind doesn't stop anyway. How long have I been doing this? I'm not a good meditator, right? We've been talking about these. So um, these are just the natural phenomenon that visit the body and mind. And they're part of breathing in life. They'll just come. And um, one thing that I'm discovering is somehow there's a childlike belief that for me, and maybe for all of you, I think for most people, that the conditions need to be perfect to awaken. Or the conditions need to be perfect for my concentration to deepen, for my practice to expand, right? These things, my life has to be right. And the funny thing about life that I'm learning at this age is that life is never right. <laughs> and even, I have to tell you, even when I was in the ashram in India, um, where all the conditions were supposed to be right, they were not right. <laughs> I, I got sick, you know, the bug, where you get sick for days and, you know, um, and then it, the heat was terrible, and um, there were still relationships that were difficult in the ashram life. So there is no ashram, I learned. There is no ashram. And I was remembering back to, um, to being a little girl and visiting my grandparents in Brooklyn. And they lived... Um, in what I like to call an urban jungle called Brooklyn, right? Uh, it's just lots of concrete and stores and cars and not a whole lot of nature, really. And they lived over a bagel shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just saying, right? It wasn't quiet, right? Um, yeah, the aroma. <laughs> would just lift up, and as a little girl, I used to just run in and out of there, and all day long, there were these big fryer things, and people, very hot, and people were throwing the dough in and pulling the bagels out, and I, I lived on bagels. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of free bagels, <laughs> used to run in and out, and um, right around the corner at their front entrance, there was this tree right in front of the building. And, um, but the tree, and there are many trees like this in Brooklyn, in cities like this, grew, it wasn't supposed to be there. It was in the middle of the street. And it grew between the cracks of the concrete. This beautiful tree broke open the concrete, right? And just blossomed out of nowhere. I remember staring at that tree all the time. And um, the tree is a lot like a human being, like our lives. The conditions are not always right to blossom, right? Some of us have a lot of difficult conditions, like the concrete holding us in. Different conditions, rough things, and yet, um, the path, the path of awakening that the Buddha talks about, present moment awareness, um, freedom, leaving the prison, something breaks open out of this hard stuff. 
right, out of the concrete and blossoms and blooms. So what is that? Something we all have within us. Right? Something within wants to bloom. And it made me think of one of the poems we read very often in um, the self-compassion class. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in its words and in touch, it is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. So the conditions for most people are never perfect, right? As a matter of fact, conditions can be really rough. It might be illness, overwork, financial problems, difficult relationship, low energy, not getting along. On Wednesday we had a sit filled with dogs barking, right? Anything, right? Conditions are not right. But yet something can flower within that present moment, right? The present, that beautiful present moment. And the hindrances that we talked about can trick us can trick the body-mind into identifying with them and we become them, right? Pick yours. I can easily be aversion, right? I am a good player at aversion. It's an energy I really happen to like, you know? Um, but, right? It's just some of us sloth and torpor, we didn't talk about the sleepiness, the laziness, right? We can easily fall in and let that carry us over into not practicing, not working. Anxiety, worry, restlessness, who's, who, who likes that role, right? When that visits the mind, the mind just latches on, does not let go. It's not like a fully identified with the worry. Doubt is a fascinating one. It's so easy to doubt our own capacity. Right? For strength. It's like that tree had to have some confidence. I don't think trees think, but there's something, some strength in that tree to break through the concrete and say, I'm growing here, even though I'm not wanted, <laughs> right? In the middle of the street. And nobody cut the tree down, right? It just blossomed. It's a beautiful tree in the middle of the street. And that's where we need to be with our practice, right? We have to find that strength, that freedom from doubt in the middle of what's keeping us, what's holding us down. So we also talked about um, the factors of enlightenment, these, these um, capacities within us that are natural to us. 
that we're born with that help us break through the hard stuff. And that's mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, relaxation and tranquility, concentration, equanimity. And these are the factors that we bring to blossom, to flower from within, right? To get through what's difficult. So yesterday um, was a very interesting day for me. We, um, a couple of friends and I, um, we tried this experiment. And I'm looking at Aline because it's partly her idea too. And um, the experiment that we tried was um, we met for three hours. And our agreement was that we would meditate for 20 minutes together and then talk. And then we'd meditate for 20 minutes and then talk. Meditate and talk. And we weren't just going to talk. We were going to use um, the factors of enlightenment to guide the talk right, to guide the observations. That was mindfulness. What happens when I move from my eyes closed and I'm watching my breath and I'm in the body, right? What happens to when I open my eyes and I connect with you? What changes? Right? What's different? Right? And investigation means that what we were going to do is bring interest and energy, curiosity, even if it's a hindrance, right? Even if there's an aversive feeling or an anxious feeling, we were going to watch it and explore. And naturally we're going to bring energy and some joy and calm, some, some sweetness, and some concentration, because you have to stay concentrated on it and um, some acceptance of how this was going to flow. And we did this, so we did this for three hours. So how many people here would say, oh, that sounds really hard. I don't think I'd like that. Anybody? Okay, good. i just curious. How many people here think that would be an interesting exploration? Aline and I really like those hands raised, right? Because <laughs> we thought it was fascinating. Yeah. So it was fascinating, and I want to talk about what happened to you in form of the hindrances, um, of the difficulties and the factors that, that occurred. And um, I wanted to also talk about it unscripted a bit, you know, spontaneously. Is it, it, and, and that's um, not always easy to do. Uh, in front of a big group of people, right? So, um, the first round that we experimented with, um, I was experiencing aversion. I, I had gone, why did I read my emails before? <laughs> I'd read a couple of emails and, and um, we were having disagreement dialogue in the email. <laughs> Does anybody have disagreement dialogue in their email? It, isn't it hard to communicate like that, writing and texting? There's something that's even harder in that. 
takes more mindfulness. So the first round um, was aversion for me, which is a hindrance, and we talked about it on Wednesday night. I think you were here, right? And um, I, it's really interesting. What happened for me was I could feel the energy and awareness leave my body, right? Because we're trying to contemplate on the breath and stay in the belly a little bit, right? I could feel it leaving my body and just up mm. in here. A few of you are nodding. And I almost felt like this gray-brown matter, like <laughs> this, this thickness here. Mm. And I found the energy just like circling, this circular energy. And it had a lot to do about protecting myself, why I'm right. Mm. It was all about why I'm right and protecting this self-image, right? So if we go back to the Rumi poem, <laughs> which Rumi poem are we going back to? Um, about the cage and the door, right? And who is it that created the thought? Um, and notice just this absence, there was almost no body. Mm. It disembodied because my um, clinging, my desire to justify my aversion. Fascinating. And then, you know, we rang the bell, just like that, and now it's time to speak. And um, it really gave me a moment to put words to that experience and share that, right? Of what is it like to leave the body, leave the present moment, and live in a world where I'm protecting this prison, this sense of self. And with it comes suffering. Is it fun when we do that? Is it joyful? Does it feel constricting? Does it feel like the concrete? Right? This hard, right, that you have to push through? So um, we kept doing this exercise. And as we kept sitting and talking, of course, the aversion, which the Buddha teaches all these states are impermanent. They're not you, they're impermanent, they're coming and going. And they carry, they carry some suffering, but they're not you. They're visitors, remember? Visitors. So the aversion just settled off. It took off. And more and more stillness came in, which is also temporary and impermanent. <laughs> right? Yeah, some few of you are laughing. You must be very long-term meditator, right? <laughs> yeah. The stillness is also impermanent. Um, and we continued in our dialogue, and the last round, I was out in the yard and um, with a friend, and we um, had that round, and we both started our dialogue. And what we both discovered, was it was really a fascinating moment, was that when it came time to speak, like this, we did this, right? This mental gymnastic, gymnastics were going on very quickly. What I look like in my mind as a Wendy, right? 
because you're still, so you could see a little more. The tranquility plays in with the investigation and the energy, and then there's clarity and wisdom into the way things are. So very quickly, I could watch this mind create an image of Wendy, what, who she was and what she wanted to look like and how we would defend her, <laughs> right? And then there was another mind movement, mental gymnastics, how I should look in front of my friend, mm -hmm. right? How he should receive me, because I need to control that. So I would be liked, right? I could watch that. And then I could watch the dropping of that mm -hmm. desire, right? The dropping of the wanting of that. It just settled by seeing it with investigation and energy and tranquility mixed, you know? Using those factors, it dropped and it felt like a bird let out of a cage. Mm -hmm. What Rumi was talking about, that poem, for a moment. There was a freedom. And it was startlingly beautiful. And it reminds me that the conditions do not have to be right to have those moments. Lots of things could not be going well, and we could still have those nourishing, present, embodied moments. I also noticed from that moment that um, presence, present moment awareness, does not happen up here. It's not up here. Where is it? It's in the body. It's here. Jane just did this. It's here. It's in your belly. It's in your legs. It's in your feet. It's in your whole. And that's what the Buddha talked about, the, the, the importance of mindfulness of the body, of staying in the body. And yet for us Westerners, it's so easy to live here, to really live here and not even know it to be caught yeah, here. So we had this dialogue, and then my friend shared a very similar experience of him opening his eyes from the meditation. And his desire was, there was, he said he opened his eyes, and the space was very empty and still for him. It was just expansive space. And then the, there was a desire to come in and name everything and break it down so he could be his name, who he thought he was. And very similar, who he should be in front of me and how he should defend it. And he also saw that coming and going and could watch it drop. And I said to him, you know, I don't know if I'm looking at like a, a Buddha monk or a little child, but your face is so light and so free. And he said, it's a child, I'm free. I feel free. And we both commented on this experiment bringing us back to how we felt as children. The children who ran free, who were in our bodies, right? Who were just with things in the present moment. 
I really remember being with that tree. I used to stare at that tree all the time going, huh, this tree, how did it grow out of the cement? Mm -hmm. I was more interested in the tree than the bagels. <laughs> Today I'd probably be more interested in the bagels. <laughs> So, in a way, when we practice, we're coming home to who we've already been, to who we already are. These beautiful qualities, but what we're doing is not just coming home to who we inherently are. I, I'm looking at Bonnie, we were eating in a restaurant a couple of weeks ago. I think Angela too, right? And this couple brought in this beautiful little baby. Do you remember that, Annabelle? Mm -hmm. And Annabelle walked into this little tiny restaurant, and she locked eyes with us, and her face, she was just like, oh. <laughs> she was present moment awareness. She was fully there, fully with us. Her eyes were wide open. And she was just awe, just love. You know, there wasn't like, okay, well, who am I to these people, and how do I look? <laughs> what do they mean to me? And, you know, are they going to be rude, you know, right? Or what can I get from them? Or how do they think I look? Or how do they treat, right? It's just Annabelle, being mm -hmm. Annabelle, right? It's, right, Bonnie? Yeah, she, yeah. It was just, yeah, it was just like that. It was just like that. And we kept sneaking peeks at her. <laughs> and she kept sneaking peeks at us. And it's, there she was. She's just, just in this moment, joyfully receiving her experience. And for my friend and I yesterday in the garden, we had a taste of that freedom. We didn't have to be anything. To each other or to us, we didn't have to defend anything. We were there. We were absolutely there. There was no story. No story. And that is a condition that didn't depend on anything being right. So I'll end with a Rumi poem because it's always good to begin and end this way. There is a life force within your soul. Seek that life. There is a gem in the mountain of your body. Seek that mind. O oh, traveler, if you are in search of that, don't look outside. Look inside yourself and seek that. Wendy, would you read that one more time? Happily. <laughs> <clears throat> There is a life force within your soul. Seek that life. There is a gem 
in the mountain of your body. Seek that mind. Oh, traveler, if you are in search of that, don't look outside. Look inside yourself and seek that. So when the conditions are not right, when there's stress and tension, worry, anxiety, challenges, all these things, or the friendly visitors come to catch us into believing, shifting our identity into aversion, ill will, restlessness, whatever it is, drop in. Drop in to the body. Drop into the present moment. Drop into the breath. And see who created thought. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.